Welcome to Cleveland Schmooze, a bi-weekly podcast about the people who make up Jewish Cleveland. I'm your host, Rachel Rood. And I'm her mom, Robin Rood. This week, we're bringing you an interview with local historian Jeff Morris, who's researched the movement of synagogues across Northeast Ohio, all the way back to our community's earliest arrivals. He's the author of the recently published book on this topic called Haymarket to the Heights, and we sat down with him at our synagogue, B'nai Asherin Congregation in Pepper Pike. Thank you so much for meeting no with problem. us. Tell me a little bit about your background and living in Cleveland. Lived in Cleveland just about all my life, Heights High graduate, and I have always had a passion in the history of Cleveland mm-hmm. and decided to go back and get a degree from the Levin College of Urban Studies about 15 years ago. At CSU? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And uh, as I was driving downtown, I found these buildings that had circles on the top of the doorways, and I thought that must have been a synagogue because that's where... Star David belongs, and in some cases I was wrong, and in some cases I was right. So I started to wonder why, why were they here? I know that, you know, my mother. Uh, I should tell you that I come from a broken home. Mm. That is that my mother is from the Mount Pleasant Kinsman area, and my dad is from Glenville. Mm-hmm. So you have two Jewish communities, and I wondered why and what the history was, so I started to document it. Wow. And, and it was easy to document where those um, East 105th Street, Glenville synagogues went into Cleveland Heights, and it was easy to take the group in Kinsman slash Mount Pleasant and follow them into the Heights, but I then decided to go backwards and say, where did they start from? And that would have been East 9th Street, which at the time in 1850 was Erie Street. So let's start from the beginning. Where was the first... Jewish synagogue. Do we have any notation or documentation? Well, we know that people first started to meet in in homes. Mm-hmm. Um, in what area? Uh, near yeah. Terminal Tower. For, for instance, B'nai Sharon was in uh, on Michigan Street in a um, converted hall. Why in their homes at first? Is that because there's... Small groups, mm-hmm. not a lot of dollars. As long as you had a minion, you had a place. If you got a minion, you can go anywhere. The the first major group of Jews that started congregations uh, were German Jews, mm-hmm. um, and and that was Fairmount Temple, and um, then uh, B'nai Asherin, Hungarian Jews, mm-hmm. uh, which made up a major portion of the Jews in Cleveland um, at the time. Uh, there were a lot of Hungarians, both Jewish and non-Jewish, in Cleveland. So you're saying that they were actually not only forming different temples, but forming different temples by where they originated? Yes, Um, and that's why you had so many uh, congregations, or shuls as we would call them. People wanted to hold on to their uh, heritage, and they spoke different languages. And so you had quite a few. um, For example, by the time the Jews uh, moved to East 105th, the Glenville area, there were 24 congregations there. Wow. Um, All and you speaking could different break languages? Down. Yes. Okay, so we've got, you know, we're up to 24 different synagogues. Are they all congregated together? Is it still near Temple So here's, here's the progression. In the 1890s, the majority of the Jews, which were not a lot of Jews, 50, 100, were in the East Ninth and what would today be Carnegie area, also known as the Haymarket, which is just south of Carnegie. And as the population grew, they moved east to 22nd and 
Woodland, 22nd and Orange, mm-hmm. um, went out to... <clears throat> So they're moving uh, east. Everything east. Woodland and 55th was the major cluster of, of Jews until 1920s when they started to go to Glenville, and some went to Mount Pleasant, which is Kinsman. Um, and we're studying why some went one way and some went another way. There was a fork in the road. Some went straight up Euclid, like what is Fairmount Temple today. B'nai Yashurin uh, went in 1923. Three, they went up to the heights. Mm-hmm. So there was a split only in the fact that the population had grown and opportunities were there to move from 55th Street out into what was then known as the east end of Cleveland. Then they came back together after World War II basically to the heights, Taylor Road. And is there a reason why nobody ventured off into the west side of Cleveland? Well, there, there is and has been a synagogue on the west side um, since 1880s. Um, today that congregation is the um, West Side Temple. Hmm. Uh, but it had started in the West 25th and Lorraine area um, as an Orthodox congregation. So they have a long history and have uh, obviously not as much as the East Side, uh, but they are on the West Side. And I'm curious what the division of the level of the religious sects, like how that divided and how we got certain Orthodox synagogues where they moved versus Reform. Well, for example, um, Opsetic, which is Taylor Road, was created, I believe, in 1902 as a break-off from B'nai Ashurin because uh, B'nai Ashurin decided to have mixed seating. Mm-hmm. And there were a group of... Can't have that. Can't have that, <laughs> and so they started their own synagogue and built at 37th and... Scoville, which is now Community College Drive, and that is, today is the Tridestone Baptist Church, the building. And you know Taylor Road was a thriving organization mm-hmm. for many, many years. Um, so as the growth was there, there was enough to su- sustain both organizations. And I'm, I am curious when you say you know the synagogue was converted into a church. Has that happened a lot in over the years? Well, yes, many of the many of the buildings have been um, acquired by churches. But I think one of the things in, in my journey of studying this uh, study of uh, place is that the many synagogues bought churches. So the concept of, you know, the, the Jewish people move out, becomes a church. In some cases, it was a church first. Wow, yeah. And you'll find in the deed uh, transfers that oftentimes the transfer was to um, a person, not the congregation, and the same day that person transferred it to the congregation. Wow, so there, there were like very wealthy Jews, I'm assuming, who were able to buy? Well, I think the congregation pulled their money together and said, George, this is your turn to go f- buy this. <laughs> um, they won't sell it to us. Or Oh, it was like a well, I'm, you know, anti-Semitic there, there's, thing? There's two thoughts. One is the anti-Semitism. <laughs> they didn't want to sell it to us. Wow. So they'd find some Jewish guy who didn't have a very Jewish name, and uh, he would buy it and then transfer it. The other theory is that um, some people felt buying a church, you were buying the, the mystique of uh, the non-Jewish religion. You were transferring not only the building, but the faith and wow. they didn't, you know, some people are superstitious. Right. So they said, you know, we can't have it in the synagogue's name first. We have to transfer it to 
uh, member, and then the next day, or it's the same day in many cases. Well, so. then wouldn't that member then not be able to go to the synagogue? Well, I guess Christian? it depends on your level of, maybe he had to be in a special section and he was willing to do that. I right. don't know. I don't know. You know wow. It's kind of mystical. Let's see. Okay, so what year are we in now? We're at sort of the peak of Jewish synagogues. Um, you had in um, the Kinsman area in 1926, 22,000 uh, Jews and about 10 or 11 congregations. And Glenville um, in 1920 already had 30,000. Mm. And that decreased in to 15,000 in 1945. Um, what one of the things that happened when they got to the fork in the road at 55th Street is that some congregations went, as I mentioned, up to Glenville, and others went up to uh, up Kinsman. But some of them tried having branches, mm-hmm. and in most cases, that really didn't work. Why not? Um, not enough people. Mm. And the majority, uh, as you look at the mergers from 1951 all the way into 72, the majority of the congregations, if not all, that were in the Kinsman Mount Pleasant area became part of Warrensville Synagogue, which today is the Cedar Road Synagogue. Mm -hmm. Um, The ones that were in uh, Glenville consolidated either into the Heights Jewish Center or Taylor Road. So a more realistic expectation of Jews, a ballpark estimate, you're, you would say today, today it's about 60,000? I would say it's sixty to 70,000. Okay. So what caused some of that decrease in numbers? Is it just non-practicing Jews, do you think? Is it marrying out of the faith? Well, not my area of expertise, but I think the, uh, you know, go west, young man. Um, mm. Leaving the... Leaving Cleveland. I can yeah. remember my father always saying we should go to Arizona. Wow. And... Um, it's nicer weather. Yeah. The decline in Cleveland overall. So the economy and, sure. and the loss of jobs, sure. perhaps. And Something to note is um, yeah. the West Side Jews, a lot of them in the came here in the 50s and 60s, um, worked at NASA. Really? Yes. And so they didn't want to drive so far. Uh, um, and if you look at the synagogue on the west side, on Triscuit, um, it was built in the late 50s, and the majority of the people that were members were working at NASA, and it was a very close-knit family. Wow. Um, I'm trying to think of some NASA-related well, Jewish fun. Well, the, I will tell you that, and I, I think his name is Rosenberg, so Rosen something, everybody's name is Rosenberg. Right, Rosenberg. Um, who worked at NASA... Uh, ended up being the head of NASA hmm. uh, in in Washington. Um, oh, so so yeah. there, so I'm not an astronaut person, right. but there's a lot of Jews in. There's actually a, a lot of Jews in the the missile and space stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. So what are you doing with this information? Um, well, I wrote it. I wrote this uh, document, the Haymarket to the Heights, which is um, can be found on. Cleveland State's website or my website, Haymarket to the Heights, and Cleveland State University, which hosts it, will sell you a copy of the book. You can download it. I wrote it for future generations to have a document of primary sources to look things up should they be looking for history on their 
grandparents and great-grandparents. Right. Right, right, right. Um, and that was the purpose of it. It's really an educational tool. Part of this, in writing it really, as I mentioned before, is a journey. I met some great people, some great pastors of churches that were very welcoming for wow. me to come in. and um, I learned a lot, met a lot of neat people. Yeah, and I guess final thoughts on that, in seeing these old buildings with the, the circle and the, the Star of David that's no longer there, did they ever find any relics of old Jewish life in those synagogues and that they have in storage? Or, or? Some did. One of them in particular, uh, Shebus Jerusalem on Parkwood, the deacon of the church, and he, he reminded me that his daughter was married in that church after, obviously, it was sold. The church had fallen in disarray, and he called me and said he thinks the ceiling's going to cave in and there's some items there. I was able to rescue those items, and about six months later, in fact, the ceiling did cave in. Wow, that's so and, lucky. Um, yeah, I was lucky to, to obtain those. What, what did you find? Well, I have in my garage, and I remind my wife I rescued these, um, I have two pews from the synagogue that have Jewish stars on the end of them. Wow, that's so cool. And someday I'll fix them up and, yeah. and do something with them. But um, that synagogue, uh, I think, was moved there in 1925 or 26 and was a thriving um, congregation and had a hall called Carmel Hall. And if you talk to people in their 70s and uh, into their 80s, they were bar mitzvah there. It's now part of Taylor Road. I think there's a lot of people who would love to learn more about the history of where their parents went to synagogue or... or I've done a few tours. Yeah. I've done a few bus tours, and um, it's, it's been very interesting. Um, we've approached several churches, and they all opened their doors, and they were just so welcoming and gracious. And we had people on the bus that were in their late 70s, and, and I remember one woman who was a, a bit teary-eyed because she remembers being married and oh, her husband um, in that uh, synagogue, which yeah. was uh, the... Lynn Road Synagogue. That's so nice also to hear that there's there's interfaith cooperation going on there in, was. in Cleveland. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for, for chatting. Is there anything else uh, we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about? No, there's a lot to read at Haymarket to the Heights, so if you just Google it, you know, you'll find it. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Schmooze, a podcast produced by Rachel and Robin Rood. Tune in every other Friday to get the latest episode in your podcast feed. You can also find an archive of our episodes at our website, clevelandschmooze.com. And feel free to share any comments or suggestions to our email, clevelandschmooze at gmail.com. That's schmooze spelled C-A-S-C-H. <laughs> That's schmooze spelled schmooze. <laughs> Perfect. Goodbye. Goodbye.